Amen. We appreciate your giving. Again, the ushers will return in a moment. We'll receive our monthly building offering. Uh, while they're doing that, I want to share a few announcements with you. First of all, the November calendars are out front, so if you want to know what's happening during the month of November here, you didn't get one on your way in, make sure that you pick one up on your way out. As you probably already know, if you have kids, kids church age, there's no kids church today. It's the last Sunday of the month, so we give our kids church workers a Sunday off. So that will be back in session next Sunday. Tonight is our service Sunday. We do that. We try to do that once a month. Uh, tonight we're going to be going to Healing Projects in Paducah. It's on 1200 Jefferson Street in Paducah. It's on the corner, actually, of 12th and Jefferson, right across from Allen Auto Sales if you're driving down. It's in an old, large church building there. And at 5 o'clock, we're going to get there and help them set up for a fall party. What they're going to do is they're going to bring in kids from the community in Paducah and they've had a lot of winter clothes donated to them, coats and, and warm clothing that these kids need access to. These are kids who don't have them. And so we're going to help them at 5 to set up and get ready for all of that. And then from 6 until 8, if you can stay that long, we're going to be kind of, I, I guess the way I understand it, adopting a family, helping them find where their winter clothing is at and kind of uh, kind of being a friend to them, making sure that they get everything that they need. So if you want to join us tonight on our service Sunday and go out and be the church, uh, that's, that's tonight. It's going to be helping a great ministry. They do encourage you to bring bags of individually wrapped candy like you might get for uh, a Halloween thing or something. Bring that. They're going to be giving that away. Also, if you can bring any boxed canned drinks, those would be helpful. Do eat a little something before you come. They're going to have pizza, but they're going to, of course, serve the families first and the kids. So if there's any leftover, we can eat. But there's no guarantee because uh, they don't know how many will come in. So uh, do make sure you at least grab a snack. Do you, if we need the van to go tonight, we can get someone to drive the van. How many of you, if you want to go but you need to ride in the van, would you lift your hand? Is there anybody like that? Okay, then. We'll all drive separately, and that, that works for me. Uh, but don't forget, it's 1200 Jefferson Street, Paducah. I hope you'll join us there at 5 o'clock uh, this evening, and we'll have a great time. Uh, ministering to there uh, with them. Millennial Mondays is tomorrow night at 6.30. Uh, regular services Wednesday night. Ladies prayer meeting Thursday night. Don't forget next Sunday. It won't bother me as much this time around. Uh, but if you don't fall back in your clocks, you're going to get here an hour earlier than anybody else does. So I always want to make sure you get spring forward because I, I want to make sure you're here on time. But but uh, I encourage you, if you don't want to get up early, uh, we fall back, uh, I think, at 2 a.m. Sunday. I'm not going to be up at 2 a.m. to do that, so I do that on Saturday night. Uh, but I want to remind you about that. And next Sunday, we're going to receive another hurricane relief offering. Uh, so I want to make you aware of that, that we can help those who have been devastated by the hurricanes in Florida and Texas as well. That's all the announcements. We're going to receive our monthly building offering. And the entirety of this just kind of goes to help with the updating and such here. How many of you have seen the bathrooms with the new floors already? Yeah. So th that's just kind of some of what this goes to to help offset the cost of just kind of maintaining and doing repairs. So we appreciate any giving that you do in this. Father, in the name of Jesus, again, we're grateful, Father, for the way that you provide for us. Lord, you truly are good to us. Lord, I pray that as your people give, that you'll bless them once again. Lord, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold return that they can again give, not just here, but to other ministries that, that, Lord, you call them to give to. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. We appreciate your giving. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles today, we're going to start out in John chapter 7. If you are visiting with us today, we are so glad that you're here. Hope that you felt at home and, and enjoyed the presence of the Lord. We're going to get right into the Word. John chapter 7, verse 37. I've got something I want to share with you today that I feel like is important. First of all, coming off the heels of, of last week, man, we had a powerful weekend last weekend. The Holy Spirit moved in this place in some powerful ways, both last Saturday night, last Saturday morning at the ladies' seminar, and then again on Sunday morning. And uh, I know that many of you were touched and ministered to, and God spoke directly into many of your hearts, and many of you have testified throughout the week about uh, things that have transpired and what God's done in your life. Uh, we've, we, but I want to encourage you to don't never stop right there. You don't have to stop. And you don't have to wait for another guest minister to show up on some special weekend. And you don't have to go to a special seminar, a special conference, or a special place. Sometimes people feel like when they do that, oh, wow, this is so awesome. And it is, but there's a reason for that. And uh, it's not just because of the power of God's there that's different. It's because you're different. It's because you've set aside all your distractions. You're not working. You've set aside some special funds to get to that place, so you've sacrificed something to go. Your expectations are high because, for goodness sakes, you've taken off work to go to a conference or you've, you've, uh, you've just been looking forward to a conference, so your expectation is high. But I want to tell you something. In every church in America, on every given day, if our expectation was God is here and God is moving and God is speaking and God will speak to me, if every single week we would sacrifice, if we would set aside some of the things that distract us and overwhelm us and instead spend that time in the presence of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts for what He wants to do, and if when we come into the place, we would come into the place ready to lay down everything that we have in worship and celebration, I'm telling you, you would find that God is always more willing to give to you than you are ready to receive. And I want to tell you, God is here today to minister to you. In John chapter 7, the Israelites had come up to, or the Jews had come up to uh, one of their religious festivals, and it was a Feast of Tabernacles. And if you read earlier in John chapter 7, Jesus' family had encouraged him to go with them to the feast. He had already begun to, to do some miracles and do some teaching, and, and people were looking at him as a possible Messiah, and, and he was claiming some things that, so that even his whole family was saying, well, if you really think you are the next king, if you really think that you're the Messiah, if you really think you're anointed, then what you need to do is come to the Feast of Tabernacles. Come to this religious observance that everybody goes to and show, show everybody just who you are. Show them your power. Show them your authority. Let them hear your teaching. And Jesus said, well, I, I only do what I see the Father do. You've got all the time in the world to do what you want to do, but I'm, I'm on an agenda that's different from yours. I'm not on any man's agenda. I'm on God's agenda. When the Father speaks, I'll go. When the Father says stay, I'll stay. I'm going to do what the Father tells me to do. But later on, Jesus did go up to the feast. And on the last day of the feast, verse 37 of John chapter 7, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or his heart or his innermost being will flow channels or rivers of living water, water that's alive. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet Glorified. Jesus hadn't finished his work of being the substitute for our sin. He hadn't gone to the cross and risen from the grave and ascended into heaven and put his blood on the mercy seat and poured out the Spirit yet. But Jesus waits till the last day of this religious feast. And here's the thing. The Jews thought that the life of God was in the observance of religious law. The Jews thought that the life of God was in going through all of their religious rituals and customs. So when they would go to attend these feasts, they would have a certain expectation that something mighty would take place in their lives. So Jesus waits till the very last day, which is significant. He waits till everything's over and they're all about to go home. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, if you, we can just compare this to vacation. You know, everybody gets ready to take a vacation and you've saved for a year or two years or however long it's been since you've had a vacation. And you've planned and you've made your reservations and you've viewed online or you've gotten the information from the hotel and the resort or wherever you're going. And you've been looking at all of that and you know what all the activities are and you know how much they're going to cost. And there's a certain level of excitement. You're going to be off work for seven days or however five days or however long your vacation lasts and you've arranged for your transportation whether you're driving or whether you're flying and you've made sure that your house is taken care of and everything's done and it's a crazy crazy thing getting ready to go but when you finally get up to that day and you get in the car you get on the plane there's nothing but expectation you can't wait you're ready to go and every day is wonderful the first day is great and the second day is great and the third day is great and the fourth day man it's really good but Oh, man, it's almost over. And, and then the fifth day is, oh, I'm really enjoying this, but I've only got just a day or so left. And then the next to the last day is, oh, man, I dread going. I've got to go back to work. I wonder what it's going to be like. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to have so much catching up to do when I gotta home, get home. Until the last day, you're almost depressed. And when you get on the plane or you get back in the car, particularly me, because usually it's Florida where we've been, I'm counting the palm trees almost as I'm driving out of Florida. And I know that when I get up past central Georgia, I'll somewhere see the last palm tree. And when I finally see the last palm tree, I'm just looking for the smallest little resemblance of a palm tree. And then when I know I've seen the last one, full-blown depression sets in. Oh, it'll be another year or two before we see the palm trees. It'll be another year or two before we see the ocean. Oh, man, winter will be here before you know it. And i got to deal with ice and snow and cold weather, the heat's got to be turned off. All that stuff begins. See, if you really wanted to excite somebody, you'd talk to them on the first day of the feast. Now, I think vacations are good and everything like that. I think everybody should take one if you can. Just get away and rest. But if you're looking at a vacation as being something that will change your life, it won't because you see it's here today and then it's gone. Eventually, you've got to come home. And the same thing is kind of true of conferences and revivals and everything like that, whatever you want to name. Man, you get ready to go, whether it's, a, you know, wherever you're going. Man, you get excited and you set aside your money and you're ready to go. And, you, you know, you put everything aside. Man, it's going to be a great two days, three days, five days, however long it's been. We're going to hear the word and we're going to get into worship. And, and it's going to be great because you, you don't have any other responsibilities there. You're not at home where you've got to take care of your house and take care of your job. You're, you just you say everything's fine, so you're excited and you're ready until you get towards the end. And then the same type of feeling comes comes in and it's like, oh man, last day, oh, back to normal. 
Jesus stands up on the last day. The day when everybody's saying, oh man, it's time to go home, back to the job. Back to the old grind. Back to the same old, same old. Back to normal. And on top of that, I've been gone for a week, so now I've got to make up for everything. The first week's going to be crazy. Oh, I dread this. I almost, if you're like me, I almost, I almost wish I would have never come to begin with. Now look at what I've got to do now. On that day, Jesus stands up in the crowd. He says, any of you still thirsty? Y'all been here for a while. Y'all been observing all the religious festival. You've been doing everything that you've been told to do. You've been observing the law. You've been going through all the rituals, everything that's supposed to make you happy. And you've had some fun because you've seen family that you hadn't seen in a while. And you've laughed and you've talked and you've caught up. In it. But now you're getting ready to go home again. Anybody thirsty now? So you're getting ready to go back to normal because, see, that's where life is lived. It reminds me of Jesus taking Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration and, and all of his glory and splendor is seen by them and it's awesome. They hear the audible voice of God the Father speaking from heaven and they see Moses and Elijah standing beside Jesus, which to them represented all the word they'd ever known, the law and the prophets. It was everything they'd ever revered or held sacred. It was everything to them. And they saw it all, and they had never seen that before. And it was like Peter says, oh, it's good for us to be here. Oh, this is nice. Let us build just some extra booths, one for, one for you, Jesus, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah, and let's just stay here. All oh, that this is glorious. And then they hear the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son. Talking about Jesus. Hear him. And the very next thing Jesus says is, and I, I, get your mind wrapped around this. Put yourself in their shoes. You just had the religious experience of all time. Nobody has ever seen what you've just seen, and nobody has ever heard what you've just heard before. And the next thing Jesus said, don't tell nobody. Keep it to yourself. And let's go back down from this mountain to the valley. Let's go home. See, I brought you up here for a reason. And we need mounts of transfiguration. We need holy moments. We need times and even seasons of refreshing and revival. Because our body gets tired. And our mind gets tired. And our emotions get worn. And God knows about the time where, okay... <laughs> Yeah, you need some rest right now. Here, boom. And he's good at that. But I'm telling you, just as sure as he takes you up that mountain, there's going to come a point, sometime sooner, sometimes later, where the same Jesus who took you up there says, okay, it's time to go back. Let's go home. Do you know why? Listen, because you were designed for that. Just as you were designed for the presence of the Lord in one day. But, but let me just say this. Oh, hang on. And don't get mad at me, but just hang on. Listen to what I'm saying. You could not take heaven right now. I can prove it to you scripturally. You couldn't take it right now. I was about to say you were designed for heaven too, but actually the inner man is, but this outer man's not. You see, to get to heaven, you're going to have to have a different body than this because this body can't handle heaven. 
It never could. This body that you're in, this tent, this tabernacle, it was designed for here. So this is really where you were designed for right now. Now our inner man, that spirit man, is designed for home. And one day we're going to put on a glorified body and be there forever. But until that glorified body is put on, you couldn't live there. You couldn't stand it. You couldn't stand the glory of it. So we only get glimpses. And we only get moments and seasons. And then God says, now I designed you for this. And see, most of us think that we're so out of place, and, and we are in the sense that our mind and our heart is already gauged. We know our citizenship is in heaven. But yet you were also designed to be the body of Jesus Christ in this world. You were designed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And we try to avoid, like everything, what we were designed for. And God said, I take you up on the mount and I put you in this place so that you can, you can experience me. But then you got to go back because I've called you to share this good news in the world where there is no water. He said, the people in this world have forsaken the fountain of living waters and they dug out for themselves cisterns, but they can hold no real water. They're eating and they're drinking but they're never satisfied. They're, they're going to these festivals and these seminars and to church and all those things thinking that just in that observance they're going to find what they need but when they get to the end of it they've had some good emotions but they're still thirsty and they're still hungry and they're still broken and they're still lonely and they're still depressed and they're still afraid and they're still anxious and I'm telling you if you're thirsty come to me. You see, Jesus made an unbelievably powerful and radical statement when he stood up in front of a religious crowd and said all of these festivals and observations, as good as they are, are never going to fill you up. If you really want to take care of your thirst and hunger, you got to come to me. I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm the answer. Turn over with me if you would, not too far, but turn over to John chapter 4. Familiar story. I believe Buddy referenced it last week. In John chapter 4, verse 4, it says Jesus needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you. Here's that phrase again. Living water. Water that's alive. And the woman said to him, Well, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, And this is true about every source you go to in this world to try to find hope or peace or fulfillment or life. He said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. 
But the water that I shall give him will become, will become. Notice that phrase, will become. doesn't say it just immediately as everything is going to be. But it says it begins and there's a process of continuance. It will become in him, in that individual, a fountain of water springing up unto everlasting life. So the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to drink or to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have said correctly, or you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Verse 19, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Understatement of the century. But I want you to, we'll stop there. I want you to see, if you know anything about the Jews and Samaritans, just to give you a little background, the Jews hated the Samaritans so bad that even though the direct route would be to go right through Samaria, they would go two days' journey out of the way just to avoid having to even talk to a Samaritan. That's how bad the Jews hated the Samaritans. When Jesus said, I must go through Samaria, that by and of itself had to have been a shocker for the disciples. But then he sits by a well because he's physically tired from the journey. And he tells his disciples to go get some food. And he's there alone. And this woman comes. Interestingly enough, the woman comes in the middle of the day. Now, I did a little research on that. And, and usually the women would come early in the day before the sun got really hot. Because they would have to bear the, the jar to get water either on their head or on their shoulder. And, and it wasn't just small and light. So they would come early. Why did she come in the middle of the day? Well, because she was probably ridiculed and ill-received because of where she had been and what she had done. So she tried to come to the well when nobody else would be there to say anything about who she was and where she had been. Secondly, the well she went to, doing a little looking at the geography of things, there was a well that would have been closer, but she went to a well that was harder to get to because it was also less likely to have anybody else around. She didn't want to deal with anybody else's condemnation. She didn't want to deal with any guilt trips that anybody was going to throw on her. But she comes to this well in the middle of the day. By the time she gets there, she's already walked a hard path. She's got to be hot. And there's this man, this Jew of all things. And he says, hey, why don't you give me a drink? You're not getting it. See, she asked her for, he asked her for something, number one, that she doesn't have yet. And number two, the natural reaction was, let me get the drink first and then I'll give you some. I think I need it worse than you do. So Jesus asked for something that wasn't going to be easy for her to give. And so they start having this conversation she wants to know why this Jewish man wants to talk to her, a Samaritan woman. And he makes this unbelievable statement. He said, if you knew who it was who was talking to you, you would ask me for a drink. And she looks at him. Well, I don't see you with a pot of any kind. I don't see how you're, how you're going to get water. Because all she's thinking is natural. And see, that's us. Anytime we get close to Jesus, a lot of times all we think is natural. Well, I need... You know, man, man, I'm hurting. I got this pain, or man, my family's messed up, or 
you know, you know, we're on the brink of divorce or I've got, uh, you know, I've, I've got this addiction or I've got, and all those things are important. Don't get me wrong. Getting a drink of water, getting that natural water was life or death to her, but that's all she could think of when she was facing the giver and the creator of water itself. But you see, here's the thing. She didn't realize who she was looking at. And you see, we come to church all the time and sing about Jesus and talk about Jesus and we pray to Jesus and half the time we don't realize who we're talking to and who we're looking at. You see, we're not just talking to some religious figure that we're trying to observe some type of religious observance or festival. We're talking to the one who created the universe. We're talking to the one who sent the stars into space. We're talking to the one who made water and life and every element that there ever has been made. We're talking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who rules above and beyond all other earthly rulers. We're talking to the one who has absolute power, absolute authority, absolute life, and we don't realize who we've come to. So the only thing, if we ever finally do realize who he is, the only thing that could keep us from receiving is if he just doesn't want to give it to us. So that's the next thing they deal with. She talks about Jacob's well and those type of things, and Jesus tells her, he said, well, if you'll let me give you water, I'll give you water that's alive. You won't ever have to draw again, and uh, it'll make in you a fountain of living water. It's going to become something in you that's going to continue to spring up. Well, that sounds good. It'd be great if I didn't have to come up here in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, and do all this walking back. She's still thinking natural. But don't get down on her, because we do too. See, a lot of us would be happy if God just dealt with the symptoms that we think are the problem, but what God wants to do is go to the root and the core and the source of the problem and deal with us from the inside out. But most of us are just satisfied to get rid of the symptom. But Jesus is never satisfied with that. He loves you too much. So he says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some water, but go call your husband. Oh, man, the one thing she did not want to talk about. That's why she went to the other well, and that's why she went in the middle of the day. That's the one thing she didn't want to be brought up. But I admire her honesty. She, she didn't have to be honest. She could have just walked away. She said, well, sir, I have no husband. And Jesus said, well, you spoke rightly. He says, as a matter of fact, you've had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not your own. Sir, <laughs> you must be a prophet. Sure enough. But more than that. So, isn't it awesome when God exposes your heart? Yes and no. If you really want to ever really be free, God's going to have to expose your heart. But sometimes that makes us uncomfortable. So we like to change the subject. And that's what she does. And well, our fathers, they worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews, you say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So she starts talking about religion when Jesus is talking about her heart. So Jesus says, woman... Believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation, freedom, deliverance, wholeness. It's going to come through the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the real worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. She wanted to change the subject because she wasn't comfortable. 
But Jesus wouldn't let her get away. He says, it's not about where you worship. It's not about the forms and the rituals. It's not about the customs. Just like he could say it, the first verse we read, it's not about the feast. You can go to the feast all week long and still you're thirsty at the end of the day. You can go to the conferences and the conference is great while it lasts, but then you've got to come home and then you're miserable. You, you can go to the retreats, but you go to the retreats and they're great while they last, but then you've got to come home. God designed it that way. You can come to church and you can have a great church service, but then you've got to go home. You know, you went Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, whatever we want to name. And, and if we really come in and seek God, God can speak peace to our hearts. But then you've got to go to work. And man, isn't it something? You've got to deal with people who don't know Jesus yet. And you've got to talk to people who don't care whether you know Jesus yet. And you've got to get around people who aren't even interested in whether you like that they don't care that you don't know Jesus yet. And you've got to get around and you start to feel drained and you start to feel negative. And it would be nice if we could just all get together and just kind of build our houses right next to each other and live in this little Christian community and all go to church at the same place and all work in a little Christian enclave where everybody's a Christian and everybody talks about Jesus and everybody loves us and loves each other and anytime we want to we can drop to our knees and have a prayer meeting and we can just you know do all those things and we're going to be there one day it's a place called heaven but until you get there you're not going to be there all the time because God didn't design for you to be because what he called oh, get this get this get this get this what he called you to do was bring heaven to earth what he called us to do was to be the intersection where heaven meets earth. What he called us to do is pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he called us to do was walk right into the darkness unafraid. Walk right into the turmoil without any of our peace being disturbed. Walk right into that place where there's death and there's sickness and there's disease and there's depression and there's fear and there's anxiety and nobody knows who the answer is and if they think they know, they don't care because they've seen a bunch of Christians that said they knew Jesus and then didn't live like they knew Him and they figure you're just another one just like everybody they've ever met. But when you walk into that place and you hold on to your peace and you love each other and you're authentic and you're genuine and you care about what's going on in their life and you pray for them when they're good to you and you still pray for them when they don't treat you right and you treat them with love when they treat you with respect and you treat them with love when they're cruel to you and when you just simply act like Jesus in the real world, after a while they begin to see the light shining out of you and they realize that somebody's here in the middle of my darkness that cares about more than just what's going on on the outside of me. God wants to actually move into what the core issue is of their life and He will use you and I to do it. And that's what He's trained us, called us, anointed us, and equipped us for. And you know what happens when we start believing that? We can enjoy life now. Instead of being miserable all the time. We can enjoy the life we're in because I'm here on purpose. You're here on purpose. God's too big and too smart and too perfect to put you here by accident. And He never makes mistakes. So that means God knows exactly where you are on Monday morning. And He knows exactly where you live through the week. He knows your address. And He loves you. And you know what? I still, just to use this illustration, I still believe Jesus is waiting by the well for every one of us in the middle of every day. You know what the middle of every day represents, don't you? The hottest point of the day when the heat 
is turned up the highest. When life's pressure is the greatest. When it feels like everything's about to boil over and everything's about to fall apart, Jesus is still waiting at that well. And he's still saying, hey, I can give you a drink that will really fill you up and refresh you. Oh, you can drink from this well. And society's told us that forever. All you, all, all you need is to get your 401k right, get make sure your retirement's good, you know, and all settled and good. Just, oh, just take a vacation. Just if you can take two weeks vacation, why don't you just buy that vacation home where you can just go whenever you want to go, you know? Or just get that big screen TV with the NFL or NBA or whatever pack you want so that you can watch all the games streaming that you want and then you'll be happier. Or no, just, just, just go and get that new house. Or, oh man, it's that car. If you could just had that, that car. I mean, if you could drive that car. If people could see you driving down the road in that car. Oh, you just need this person. And then you wouldn't feel lonely anymore. You, you, you just need that marriage. Your marriage isn't good enough if you just had that marriage. The world's always selling us these things. Saying that's what's lacking in your life. If you just had that, you'd you'd be at peace. If you just had that, you'd be hopeful. If you just had that, you'd be happy. And some people have lived long enough that you went and got some of those things. And what did you find out once the feast was over? You were still thirsty. And you were still hungry. Because as good as it was, and the pleasure lasted for a moment, and, but it didn't fill you up on the inside. Jesus offers you more than that. He offers you living water. And if we could see him, he stood up at the end of every thing that you ever thought was going to give you the peace that you've been searching for. And after he let you, because he's going to let you run to the end of the highway to get it. And once you've done that, He's standing there saying, if anyone's thirsty, if you're still thirsty, come to me. I'll give you living water. He's still at the well in the hottest part of your day, knowing everything there is to know about you and understanding you better than you understand yourself. Saying, hey, if you'll come to me, I've still got living water. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I know you're not perfect. But I can still give you water. It's free. It's available. And here's something even better. When it gets inside of you, there's an eternal source. It's just the beginning once it starts. If you will feed that source in the presence of God and in the Word of God and in the fellowship of the people of God, it will grow and continue to become more and more until it's a spring that just springs up inside of you and becomes a fountain of living water. That every time you need a drink, you can go and receive. One more point I want to make. It doesn't even just refresh you. It can refresh others as well. Somebody else can come and drink and receive refreshing and hope and peace and encouragement and life because of what God's doing inside of you and what He's doing inside of me. Now that's the Christian life. Everything else is just an event. And we have a ton of events. And they are good. Some of them are great. But they are what they are. They're events. And you can't live in them. But you can live in the presence of the Spirit of God. And you can live 
in the power of the Word of God. And you can live in the freedom that Jesus gives. And every day you can drink from the living water that only He can provide. What I feel like today is there are a lot of people, good, Christian, godly people who are thirsty. Because we've been looking for other things to fill us that cannot do it. I dare you, if you're a history of buff in any way, go back and read about the revivals that have shaped and shaken nations. Go back and read about the great men and women of God throughout the history of the church. And you come back and tell me, did they live from event to event, moment to moment, or did they live continuously in the presence of an almighty God? See, I've read those histories. And I know that they had a commitment to the presence of God daily that we don't even begin to understand in our time. In Isaiah chapter 55, last verse, verse 1, last portion we'll go to. The prophet cries out and he says, Oh, and that, that phrase is an expression of urgency and expectation. He's trying to get everybody's attention. He's like, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Hey, everybody. Everyone who's thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. I love this last sentence we'll read today. Let your soul, that's your inner being, delight itself in scarcity. No. Abundance. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. If you're hungry, come to me. If you're thirsty, come to the water. It don't cost you anything. You can't pay for it anyway. Well, I tell you what, I, I would, Pastor, I'd come to God. I believe everything you're saying, but I tell you what, I haven't prayed enough, and I know I don't live exactly like I need to live. I've made so many mistakes. I've goofed up so bad. And, you know, I tell you what, I, here's, here's my path. I've already thought about this. I'm on a six-month track. For the next six months, I'm going to try to fast and, and read this much of the Bible and pray, and I'm going to try to be in church every Sunday, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give like I've never given before. And at the end of that period of time, then I'm going to ask God to do everything, and I believe He will. I think it's great that you're going to fast and pray and read the Bible and give and all those things. I think it's wonderful. I hope you do that. It'll help you. But it won't buy what you're wanting from God because you can't buy it. You can't earn this. So he said, if you're thirsty, just come on. There's plenty of water. And if you're hungry, come without price. He's, Jesus has already paid the price. He already paid everything that can be paid. He says, come on, just said, why look at your life. Just, just take stock. You're spending all this time, all this energy, and all these resources to try to feel the emptiness on the inside of you. Are you better? Are you satisfied? 
then why do you keep doing the same thing over and over again that's not working? He said, come to me. Because he said, here's what I've got. I've got a table set out in front of you, and there's an abundance, and you can eat until you're full. I, I looked at a post that uh, on my feed today that Buddy had placed about a vision or a dream he had seen. One part of it really touched me because I knew I was going to share on this. And He talked about how often religion, apart from the real life of God, gets us sidetracked. And God has this bountiful table laid out for us and we come to eat, but we're more concerned about where the knife is placed and where the napkin is placed and where the spoon is placed and how we look and if we're eating right and who's looking at us. And, and when you do that, you can't even enjoy the meal. He said, religion does that. It makes you consumed with what everybody else is thinking and, and how they're looking at you. And Well, if I really got before God, man, I might be a mess and people might think, oh my goodness, what's going on with that one, you know? So we're worried about the placement and the settings and religion does that all the time so that you can't even enjoy the meal that the Lord's laid out for you. But here he says, hey guys, I've got a table filled with abundance and if you'll just come, you can eat till your heart's content. There's more than you could ever imagine. I read a sad story the other day. I'm about to close, but got to share this with you. I read a sad story the other day online. It was about a really well-known buffet restaurant. Used to be well-known in America. And it talks about how they're all shutting down. They can't pay the bills, and they're about gone. It was sad to me because I've been to that buffet restaurant. I used to love to go. Because you could go any time, day or night. You, they were open 24 hours. And you could go in the middle of the night and they'd have a breakfast buffet. And they had sausage links, which I love sausage links. And they had gravy and biscuit, pancakes and waffles. All the things, bacon, everything you can imagine. You could eat breakfast. And when you got finished eating breakfast, they also had dinner. And it didn't matter what damn day or night, you could, you could have breakfast and then you could eat dinner and all in one setting. You could just enjoy it all. That was back when I was 18, 19, 20 years old and I could eat all I wanted to and never gain a pound. And I took full advantage of that moment in my life. I have no regrets. But now they're all shutting down. And it's sad. Now you go to these nice little expensive restaurants you pay more money than the food is worth. And they bring it all in these nice little fancy plates. And they give you these little, little bitty tiny portions that you paid more money for than you used to pay for the whole buffet. And you, you, then you talk about how wonderful the food is. Just because you want to sound good about having eaten at that restaurant. That's the difference between religion and freedom, folks. See, a lot of people go to places where they get this little dainty little place and they're more consumed with the fact that they can tell somebody they've been there than they are that they actually ate. How many times have we come to church or gone to our Bible study or our devotions in the morning we didn't eat a thing, we just wanted to tell somebody we've been there? The Lord is saying, hey guys, you don't have to pay money for this. All you got to do is show up at the table and eat till your heart's content. Everything you could ever begin to imagine is laid out for you. Everything's here. I've prepared it myself. There's an abundance. Now all you got to do is be hungry enough and thirsty enough to show up and eat.
But our pride many times will say, I don't need that. I don't need anything. I don't need anything. I'm okay. I don't need anything. You were just complaining to everybody last night about all that was wrong. And then you get to church or you get in the presence of God and somebody says, is there anything I can pray? No, I'm fine. I don't need anything. And he's the only person who can fill you up. So my encouragement to you today, there is a fountain. There is a table spread. Always there. And he's saying, hey, if you're hungry and thirsty, all you got to do is come eat. All that this world has, that everything they tell you will satisfy you, it will not. It'll work for a little while, and then you're going to find out you're still hungry and you're still thirsty. Religion won't satisfy you either. If all you're doing is coming to say where you've been, that won't satisfy you. But if you'll come to the well, and if you'll let Jesus do what he wants to do, he'll give you living water. And it'll become a fountain inside of you springing up into everlasting life. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit today. Lord God, we thank you for the word of God. I thank you that it doesn't return to you empty. I thank you for who you are, Jesus. That you're still the one who waits for us in the heat of the day at the well. You're the one who will still come because you must meet us. When other people would walk away and not want anything to do with us, we're thankful that you come on purpose. You've done that today. Lord God, whether we realize it or not, you came on purpose. You come to meet with us. You know where we're at. You know everything there is to know about our lives, even the things that we try to hide from others, and yet you've come for us on purpose. And you're waiting. Lord, we've tried a lot of things, even religion. And at the end of the day, it doesn't fill us up. Because eventually, by your design, we have to go back to wherever you placed us. And when we go there, we have to know that there's a fountain inside of us that we can pull from. Because we can't always go to an outside source. We can't always turn to a supplement. We have to go to what you've placed on the inside and know that it's real and know that you're there and know that you're faithful and know that you never stop loving us. And Lord, you've made that available for us. So God, for those who have been disappointed by religion and those who have been disappointed by all the different things they've turned to to bring them hope and meaning and purpose that just have not satisfied but just for short periods of time, I pray that they would know that you're speaking to them today telling them, I'm here and I've come on purpose. I knew you'd be showing up in the middle of the day. And I know you don't want to have to deal with anybody else's questions or complaints. But I know everything there is to know about you. And I've met you here on purpose. Because I want to go past the surface to the root of the pain. And I want to change you from the inside out. And God, you've said if we're thirsty and if we're hungry, all we got to do is show up. Because the price has already been paid. So God, just speak that to each heart in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, first and foremost, if you're here today and you don't have the relationship with Jesus that you want and need to have, maybe you've never been born again at all. You've never said yes to God. You've never given Him control of your life. That's where you start drinking from the well. You can't even begin until then. There's nothing you can do and nothing you can say to bring life to yourself. Only Jesus can bring you life. And if you've never done that, I'm telling you, you can do it today. And there's no greater privilege I could have in all of life than to lead you to Him. 
Maybe you know Jesus, but your relationship with Him is not what you want it to be, not what it needs to be. You've been looking for other things to satisfy. You know what that living water tastes like because you've tasted it before. You know what it is to be satisfied because you've felt that before. But you don't feel it now. Because you've been looking to other means and other avenues. They seem to be easier, not as complicated. But Jesus is still sitting at the well. In the middle of the heat of your day. He's saying, hey, if you'll come to me, I can give you real life. I can give you real life. You don't have to be thirsty all the time. I can change that. If you'll let me. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about either of those things, and you would love to allow Him to have control of your life and your heart, and you haven't done that, or it's been a while, and you've been running, trying to satisfy your thirst on your own, and you want to change that today, would you lift your hand? If there's anywhere in the room, like anybody in the room like that, I'd love to pray for you before we pray for anything else. Okay. Secondly, then, you're a Christian and you love God. And I'm sorry, I know where you're at. I feel the same way many times. Every time. Whether I like it or not. When I'm on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Every time. He says, you enjoyed it, son? I say, yeah, let's stay here, Lord. He says, well, no. <laughs> we got to go down. There's hurting people in the valley. There's a lot of brokenness in the valley. There's a lot of pain in the valley. And I've designed you to take my light there. I've designed you to bring healing there. I'm not leaving you. You're going to take me right there in the darkness. You're going to take me in the valley. I believe there's some of you in this room today that you are so desperately trying to hang on to something that was. And God said, hey, I'm over here. Yo, I'm over here. You're trying to hang on to a moment from the past. I'm not there anymore. That was a moment. I gave it to you. It was wonderful. But hey, come on. I'm over here. I'm over here. And the longer you try to stay over there from apart from me and apart from my will and apart from my purpose, the more distracted and the more discouraged and the more unfulfilled and the more frustrated you're going to become. Hey, come on. You don't have to worry about the darkness. You don't have to worry about the pain. You don't have to worry about the frustration. I'm not going to leave you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I made you for this. Come on. Walk with me. He told those original disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He said, come on. This is where life is. This is where life is. And there's some of you in this room, and I may only be talking to one or I may be talking to 20, but I know there's somebody in this room that was for you God's calling you to come on down that mountain you've been almost afraid to do it Jesus said I didn't give you that fear I don't deal in fear the enemy deals in fear I told you fear not come on I'm over here if that's you you already know it's you I don't have to say anymore but I do want to pray for you if that's you would you lift your hand because I want to pray for you I know there's at least one, but I may be talking to more than one. So if that sounds like you, would you lift your hand in this place? Because God sent this word for you today. Right? Anybody else, you know God's talking to you. That's about you. You've been trying to live in something that God said, I've already moved on from that. Come on. Come on. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm where your life's at. It's not in that event. It's not in that place. It's not in that moment. It's not in that 
feeling. It's not in that emotion. It's with me. My life is here. Don't make an idol out of something that was good. Sometimes we make idols out of good things. Sometimes we make idols out of things that were God, but he moved on somewhere else, and we've made an idol out of that. And I'm going to tell you, God's saying he's not going to honor any idol, no matter what the original source. It's him. Anybody else? You know God's speaking to you. That's you. Just lift your hand real quick, and we're going to pray and close. Anybody else? All right, let's stand across the room. Hallelujah. Father, today I lift up everyone who just lifted up their hands. First of all, Father God, we pray for those who just want to give you their whole hearts and, Lord, not look for satisfaction apart from anyone but you. Lord, do you see them? And, Lord, you honor that commitment they made to you, the desire, even just the hunger to go there. And, Father God, I just thank you for surrounding them with your presence watching over them and encouraging them in Jesus' name. Father God, for those that, Lord God, they, they know they're trying to stay in a place that you've already moved on from. Lord, there's been a level of fear and anxiety about going where you are. But God, I thank you. You sent this word today to remove fear from their lives. Father God, to draw them close because wherever you are, there's life. Wherever you are, there's peace. Wherever you are, there's wholeness. Even if we did stay on the mountain. Once you've moved down, there's no peace there. There's no hope there. All we're doing is trying to set up tabernacles to pretend like everything's still the same. But it isn't. You've moved somewhere else. So, Father God, help them to follow you with joy. Lord, with boldness and with abandon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you today. Hope you have a great afternoon. We're going to let you go. Uh, remember, if you're going with us to Healing Projects tonight, it's 1200 in Jefferson in Paducah, 5 o'clock. Hope to meet you there. Be blessed. Go in the grace of God.